We have a wonderful opportunity this morning to uh, have a guest preacher who's going to bring the Word of God. Bruce uh, has been at Fox Valley Church for some 25-plus years, during which about 15 of those he served as an elder. His kids grew up here. His family has been involved to serve and lead in various capacities. Uh, Bruce has started a ministry called Administer Justice, which is one of our partner ministries at Fox Valley Church that has uh, dozens, maybe even hundreds of, of places around the country country, clinics where people can receive free, good, and godly uh, counsel, law counsel. And so this is an amazing ministry. I could say so much more, but would you just welcome, give a big Fox Valley Church welcome to Bruce Strom. Thanks, Brad. Well, it is great to be with you worshiping this morning, and I believe that God has a word for us. Many years ago, many of you know that Moody published a book that I wrote called Gospel Justice. It was God's work in my life as He taught me the intersection of the gospel and justice. And I believe in our world today more than ever before, we need to reclaim God's heart for justice in a world that's confused about what justice is and what justice isn't. And that at the heart of that is the gospel. And so I'm going to talk about that. And if you've read the book, uh, then you know that it follows the parable of the Good Samaritan. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. We're going to dive into the Word here in just a moment to reread that story. It's a very familiar story, but I think too many of us think of it in Sunday school terms. And I want to challenge us this morning to rethink that parable because I believe that it is the very heart of God demonstrating how the gospel and justice must be connected, are always connected, and cannot be separated. And it is in our separation of those concepts that we have allowed the world to take over what justice looks like. And it's time for the church of God and the people of God to recapture God's heart and to move forward with a gospel justice movement. And so I'll be inviting you into all of that and be sharing with you how God is already doing that because of course He is. It has always been His plan to advance His kingdom, the very foundation of which is justice and righteousness. And so uh, if you'll turn with me, I'll invite you to turn to this familiar story that many of you grew up on in Sunday school maybe or you're almost everyone is familiar with it from, the, from Luke chapter 10 beginning in verse 25 through 37. And if you can stand, I'll invite you to stand because we honor God's Word when we stand. Throughout history, God's people have stood during the reading of His Word. You can find this in the book of Ezra. You'll find that people stood, and there they stood for hours. So I'll have you stand for just a few moments and let you sit again. But let's look at Luke 10, starting at verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan 
as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have had. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hand of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. You may be seated. Father, will you open our eyes this morning to what you have for us in your word, your word that cries out for the gospel, the only hope there is in a broken world, and justice, the vehicle you use to advance that hope. And will you allow us to see afresh, anew, an old story that we might gain new insights that you have for us this day. We pray in your name. Amen. You know, I grew up in the church. I'm the son of a Baptist preacher, and so I remember the, the Samaritan story very well. In fact, I grew up, some of you are old like me, uh, and I'm not even that old, right? But I grew up on flannel boards. Did you ever have flannel boards in Sunday school? Now I'm sure there's all kinds of cool digital stuff, but I had flannel boards where you take those little flannel figures and you stick them on there, and the Good Samaritan story was a favorite. I remember the Samaritan, the injured Jew, the donkey even, uh, the priest, the Levite, the rocks. But there was somebody missing in that story, and it really ticks me off today. Do you know who's missing? The lawyer. Now, for those of you who don't know, I am a lawyer, and nobody ever talked about the lawyer. Frankly, the lawyer is the most important person in this story because the lawyer asks questions. Lawyers ask great questions. If you've ever been in a deposition, you know it, you hate it. Uh, if you've ever been in court, you know it and you hate it. But lawyers do ask good questions. And this lawyer didn't ask a good question. This lawyer didn't even ask a great question. This lawyer asked the question, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's the question all of us have to ask. And friends, as I lay out just three simple points, again, I'm the Baptist preacher's son, so I can only do three points. I'm going to talk about the gospel, justice, and action. Uh, and this is the gospel. That's the gospel question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And I don't know about you, but Jesus doesn't give the answer I expect, being a Baptist preacher's kid, having grown up on the Word of God, having memorized it at an early age, I would have been the first person, right? I was the smartest kid in the class. I would have raised my hand, ooh, 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 I know the answer, I know the answer. Romans 10, 9, if you, believe in, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that Christ raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. And ooh, ooh, teacher, extra credit. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the free gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I got it, right? I get extra credit. That's what the teacher of the law thought, too. You know, he thought he knew the answers. But Jesus had been traveling around, and the lawyer was a little confused. To really understand this question, you have to understand what Jesus had a conversation with another lawyer in Mark 16. All right? In that passage, Jesus is the one that gives the answer that the lawyer parrots back here. Right? There, in, the, in arguments with the Pharisees, and you know that happened all the time because they were trying to trick Jesus, uh, a teacher of the law asked Jesus, what are the greatest commandments? 
And it is there that Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The lawyer at that time said, wow, teacher, you've answered correctly, as if Jesus was going to answer it wrong. But teacher, you've answered it correctly. Uh, to obey is better than sacrifice. And Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom. Now, I'll bet that lawyer is scratching his head. What do you mean I'm not far from the kingdom? I'm the one leading the kingdom. Come on, I'm part of the 70 Sanhedrin, the ruling council uh, that exists. I sit there with Pharisees and Sadducees, and I'm one of the leaders of the scribes, the teachers of the law. Uh, how can I be not far from the kingdom? Surely I'm leading in it. What do you mean? And so those lawyers, just like lawyers today, they talked with each other, and I'm sure that that prompted this lawyer to ask the question, teacher, what must I do then to inherit the kingdom, to inherit eternal life? Because that's how they saw the eternal life, the kingdom of God. Uh, and Jesus, again, gives a surprising answer because it's not what they thought. They thought that it was through obedience of the 613 rules that they had established. Uh, strict adherence to those 613 rules meant that you were good. And they argued and debated over the finer points of law. Uh, and they knew that to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength was the key commandment. Every good Jew honestly said that every day. It was part of the Shabbat. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, uh, mind, soul, and strength. So every single day they recited that. They knew that. Everybody agreed on that. But Jesus added to Deuteronomy, Leviticus 19, love your neighbor as yourself. That was new. That was something they didn't talk about. And the lawyer wanted to know what Jesus meant by it. It's why the lawyer even comes back and says, well, then who is my neighbor. And Jesus is going to share the story with him, but Jesus wants this lawyer to understand that's the framework. That if you want to understand what it truly means to inherit the kingdom of God, to advance the kingdom of God, to be a part of the kingdom of God, then you have to recognize it's going to be through a sacrificial, loving service of others. It's not going to be about you and how well you follow the rules. It's going to be about how you understand a heart transformation, to change a heart of stone to a heart of flesh, and to follow me. And if you want to follow me, just look at where I'm going, because I'm not going to the synagogue. I'm going to the streets, and I'm hanging out with the sick, the leprous, the outcast, the marginalized, the poor, the vulnerable, and I'm proclaiming the good news that I have come to set them free just as Jesus read from Isaiah 61 in Luke chapter 19. That's what Jesus' mission was all about, and it's what he invites us to. But just as the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they got all caught up in all of the religious stuff, that they missed that very key point. And the point is simple that I will make on the gospel call, that you cannot understand uh, justice that I'll talk about in a moment, until you understand God's heart for people. He created every one of us in his image. He desires a relationship with every one of us. His heart breaks for those who are far from him. And he will go the extra distance to reach out and claim that lost sheep, that lost child. 
to bring them into his fold. That's his heart. And so when we move on to justice, I just want you to know that the very heart of justice is the cross of Jesus. And I have a slide just to bring that out. And every time you see the word justice, I want you to see it in this way, that literally the heart of the word, the very center of our word is centered in the cross of Jesus Christ, that that is gospel justice. And you'll see a number on there that you could text because I want you to learn more about what God is doing through his heart. I'm going to talk a little bit more about administered justice. Many of you know us from when we started 21 years ago in a Sunday school room of Fox Valley Church. But friends, God is doing amazing things all across this country now, claiming his church in a new way to do something new, to see the kingdom of God advanced. And I'll put a pause there, and I will come back to that. But if you want to learn more to explore God's heart, you can do that by texting that number. Uh, and uh, you'll be invited to a webinar. You'll be invited to some other things that we are doing to encourage people to live on mission for Christ. And so the gospel is the heart of this story. It just has to be set up that way. God understood that when he, when he summarized the commands as he walked in human flesh of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself, he was literally summarizing his word. If you want to know the Bible for dummies, uh, you know, did you ever see those yellow books on something for dummies? Well, the Bible for dummies is really easy. It is simply those two commands. That's what Jesus said. Because if you want to look at the totality of Scripture, the number one theme in Scripture, and you probably would guess it because we preach on it a lot, it is idolatry. That's the number one theme in Scripture. Now, why is that? Because that is what robs us from loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. If you can get it right that you put God first and you love Him with all strength, then you're setting aside idols. But the problem is throughout history, we haven't done that. And so all of Scripture is about Israel, who even though they're an oppressed people and they should be identifying with those who are oppressed and they're brought out of Egypt in that way, time and time and time again, they get comfortable, they get complacent, and they become oppressors until they are oppressed. And then in their oppression, they cry out to God and the cycle starts all over again because that's what happens in complacency. If you want to understand what God is doing in America today with all of the injustice that you see, with the plague that you see, then just know this, that God has done that throughout history and he has always done it to call his people back to himself, to say, I'm tired of your complacency. Let's not be Sodom and Gomorrah. Everybody thinks that that was sexual sin. Ezekiel will tell you otherwise. He said that people became fat overfed, unconcerned for the poor and vulnerable, and so I destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. We don't want to be destroyed, but we have got to stop being so self-sufficient, so self-reliant, so overfed and unconcerned that we bring upon us the wrath of God. That is what he has always done in history, and it's an understanding that that great theme that there are idols that will rob us and steal us from pursuing God with our full heart, mind, soul, and strength. But the second one, again, they actually understood that in Israel. Even though they kept falling into the patterns, they knew it. They knew that they shouldn't be worshiping idols. But what they forgot was that second part that I just alluded to that's tied into this, which is to love their neighbor as themselves. That's, see, the second greatest theme in Scripture that we miss all the time 
is justice for the poor and vulnerable. More than 2,000 verses highlighted by the American Bible Society, more than 900 references directly to the Greek or Hebrew words for justice, and yet we miss it. Sometimes our Bible doesn't always translate it correctly. You know, the Hebrew word for uh, righteousness in the Bible, a righteousness that's imputed to us by God, really the heart of the gospel, right? righteousness. His righteousness imputed to us because we are filthy rags and cannot earn it on our own. Righteousness, the word for that is sadik. That's the Hebrew word. Well, the Hebrew word for justice is sedek. They are the exact same root word, but none of us ever think that way. In the uh, Spanish Bible, they're translated the same because Spanish only has one word, justicia. They understand Hebrew better than we do, that righteousness and justice are the same, same root. And so you cannot separate the gospel from justice. You cannot separate these two concepts. God combined them in human flesh when he brought these two commands together. Because to do justice is to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what Jesus said. That's what he's trying to get through to the lawyer. That's what he's trying to get through to us today. That the very foundation of his throne, the very heart of God himself, is a God of righteousness and justice. And they go together. They cannot be separated. And so, as we look at justice now, because the Good Samaritan story is a story of justice, Right? The Jericho Road was a dangerous road. In Jesus' day, it was called the way of blood because of the frequent attacks by robbers. Our poor injured man could have just been robbed, but no, he's beaten. He's stripped of all of his clothes. He's left for dead. And in that state, the injured man represents all of us. And that was Jesus' point. He could have made the injured man a Samaritan that would have made the Jew look really great for stopping to serve somebody they would never have any interaction with. But he made the injured man a fellow Jew to recognize that, hey, you who think that you have it all together don't understand. You are one illness, one car accident, one anything away from being that injured neighbor on the Jericho Road of life. And I want you to identify. I want you to feel the pain that this man feels as he's stripped of his dignity, left naked and bare. And that's what happens to our friends who find themselves on the Jericho Road of life. They didn't plan to, to be there. They didn't plan for a spouse to walk out on them. They didn't plan to lose a job. They didn't plan for a health issue. They didn't think that they would be in need of legal services that is a part of justice because it's part of our justice system. And that was the last thing they thought, but they find themselves injured, they find themselves desperate, and they find themselves unable to access justice. Because in the United States of America, justice has become a commodity. It's not a right, it's not a wonderful idea, it's a commodity, it's something we buy and sell. And if you don't have tens of thousands of dollars, you can't afford a lawyer. Lawyers hold monopolies on the system, and we are very expensive, such that one in three Americans simply cannot afford a lawyer. And when the issues involved are life-threatening, like this injured neighbor on the road, they're going to lose their house, they're going to lose their family, they're going to lose their child, they're going to lose uh, their livelihood, their living. They're going, they are in desperate fear. They have been robbed of their dignity. They are afraid, and they have no place to go. 
That's the reality of justice in America, a justice that is so expensive that literally we rank now 110th out of 128 countries in the world for providing affordable access to justice. We simply have outcommoditized justice. You cannot afford lawyers. And those who cannot suffer greatly, while the rich who are able are able to exploit the legal system and use it for their advantage. And that is sadly what happens in America today. But God looks, and that's not what he wants. And he doesn't want his people to turn their backs on him and pass by. Because Jesus intentionally chose a priest and a Levite. Heroes of the teacher of the law, uh, those have been his, his pals. That's, that's who he hangs out with. And uh, he chose them to live into that space to be the people you would most likely think would stop. Just like the church today, you would think that the church would be the most likely place to be serving the poor and vulnerable, entering into the space I just said. But the church that started education in the world, they started the first universities. The church that started hospital and healthcare in the world has had literally nothing to do with justice for the poor and vulnerable. Uh, there are less than 150 church location sites serving, getting involved in legal ministry for the poor, and that's the maximum that's ever happened in the United States of America. And at Administer Justice, we believe that God has something to say about that, that God wants to completely and radically change that story. And that's why we are on mission to see 1,000 gospel justice centers cited in churches all across the United States of America, transforming lives and transforming communities. And I want to just give you a glimpse of what that looks like. See, it looks like a woman on the south side of Chicago, uh, a, a place that has very few lawyers because you can't make money there, uh, in a little small church in Lawndale, a very poor community. A woman who lives in Section 8 housing who's being evicted from her uh, apartment because she's accused of well, here, I'll show you this in just a second, uh, the uh, video there. But she's being accused of, um, of harboring a drug lord. Section 8 housing, you can't have drug people around you. But this is a grandma, okay? This is a grandma, friends. She's raising a six-year-old autistic grandchild because uh, the dad has never been in the picture. Mom is in jail uh, for drugs. So grandma's raising her grandchild, doing a great job. Uh, but... Now she's in fear of being evicted. She has no place, she has no money, she has no way of being able to see a lawyer to understand what to do to right this injustice of being wrongfully evicted. She's terribly afraid of being homeless with her six-year-old autistic grandchild. But God enters in. Even though this woman's not a Christian, she is no, she's not been any close to God in decades. But God nevertheless directs her steps and this is her story. Seabed Sr. I'm the Community and Faith Engagement Officer for Together Chicago and also our Gospel Justice Centers. Uh, the role that I played in launching these very exciting Gospel Justice Centers in strategic communities across the city of Chicago. On a Wednesday morning, my colleagues and I were at a community meeting and all of a sudden, one of our leaders actually looked out the window and there was this young lady that was trying to get everybody's attention. We discovered she was on the verge of being evicted from her home with her grandchild and had no idea 
exactly how to address her situation. We realized that she needed some legal assistance. Well, it just so happened that particular weekend, the Jesus Word Center Gospel Justice Center doors were open to greet and serve clients. It was quite easy for us to say, look, here's some contact information. We will love to have you, and we will make sure that you have a consultation with one of our wonderful attorneys to hear and discern exactly how your need can be addressed and serve you in a very powerful way. After the interaction with the young woman, it was quite clear that a direct call into the senior pastor needed to happen. When I see Alvin's name, I always pick up because Alvin is passionate about justice. He's passionate about what I'm passionate about. And so I picked up, he gave me the heads up that a young lady would be coming. And so she came and we could see she was broken. We could see that a little afraid because we're strangers to her, but our team know that this is what we're here for. So we made her feel welcome. And then Rosina, who's our advocate, took her to the side and began to minister to her. And then our attorney came. My interaction at that point is just, you know, hi, you know, my name is Rosina. I'm so glad you came today. Um, you know, I'm just looking forward to you having a good session with the attorney. And when you're finished, you're gonna come back to me. And then we're gonna talk about how everything went. And then I try to make it a smooth transition to coming up and seeing the attorney. After our client met with our attorney, there was a recommendation made that she needed to have additional legal counsel outside of that particular setting. Well, in that moment, our client had a look of anxiety and concern about that because she was already facing financial crisis in regards to her potential eviction situation and to have additional financial needs surface was just probably far reaching for her. When she came back down from the attorney, I just simply asked if I can pray with her. I asked if she happened to know the Lord Jesus as Savior. When I asked that question, she just began to cry. And so I just got up and I just hugged her because I could see that she really felt the disconnect. And I just asked, is, is that something you want to do? And she said, yes. And so we prayed together. And we cried together. You could just feel the unloading of what she was carrying. It was at that moment that I realized it was even more serious than the legal matter. And that's when God blessed this entire situation with an anonymous donor to support our client that we didn't know was coming, she didn't know was coming, but God blessed this situation. She was able to not only have received this financial gift, but she was also able to spend time with additional legal counsel that was able to hear her case, go before the judge, get on the solution side, and prevent her from being evicted from her residence on the near west side of Chicago. This young lady came in broken, and you could see the brokenness. You could feel it, but she left restored. And we did the possible, and Christ did the impossible for her. This is why we're partnering with Administer Justice, because we believe in the movement and the mission of this organization. There's more clients 
there's more communities, there's more cities. Our nation is in crisis. Our nation desperately needs gospel justice centers in cities all across North America. Being with a minister justice is another level of opportunity to serve. I'm just so proud that our church does that. Well, amen. And honestly, even just two weeks ago, we had another story of the benefit that COVID provided to us. We all had to learn to suddenly this Zoom world, right? How many of you have lived on Zoom? Uh, and so just two weeks ago, a woman walked into a church that she never would have stepped foot in except that she needed to see a lawyer, and she met a wonderful caring team, but the lawyer wasn't present. The lawyer actually was Zoomed in from South Carolina, had an Illinois law license, but that lawyer could then serve, which opens up the potential for significantly more lawyers. And the lawyer helped them go through the, the she was an abused woman, helped her go through all the steps for protection and what she needed to do. But then the advocate who was present, just like Rosina, was able to talk her through uh, what, how she saw God in the midst of these circumstances and was able to lead that woman to faith in Christ. And that's what we see happen multiplied all across this country. Friends, more and more people aren't going to step foot inside the church. They see the church in a certain way, but they will absolutely sit down with a lawyer because of the brokenness of our systems and in that moment be able to meet their Savior and, be, and, and find the hope of Jesus Christ so that they can be plugged into the church the only institution on earth that is Christ's bride and the way to be discipled and to live on mission. And so Jesus certainly told a story that was all about the gospel. If you want to know how to live on mission for me, then be the Samaritan because the good Samaritan just reflects the great Samaritan, God who entered into our world, who stopped to serve us and invites us always to join him in the loving service of others. It's the one lesson God has taught me over 21 years that I've been doing administered justice is simple, that life isn't about me. Life is about the loving service of others. I am not saved to sit. I am saved to serve. And it is in that that Jesus challenged that lawyer to go and do likewise. And that's what he's challenging us today. Don't be so busy like the priest or maybe so judgmental as a Levite. Don't miss an opportunity. It was a divine opportunity that they missed. I pray that you will not miss that opportunity. If you'd like to serve, we have a gospel justice center at Fox Valley Church. It was, of course, the first one established. And you can serve here. You can meet with Penny uh, Renz out in the uh, uh, coffee area uh, and just find out more. You can learn more. I'd love to see you be a part of this great mission because God is on the move. Recently, we entered into a partnership with the Salvation Army. We're in contact with different denominations. Churches are stepping up, uh, and they are excited about the opportunity to establish these centers all across the country. Today, there are 53 locations, but we are marching toward 300 by the end of 2025 and 1,000 in the not-distant future all across the country. Think of the impact as we enter into communities with the gospel and justice. And friends, it will take resources, it will take your volunteering, it will take your uh, giving. But don't ever put God in a box. I did that years ago, I'll never do it again. I have so many miracle stories I wish I could share with you, occasion through prayer. But just two from this year. This year we knew that God wanted to advance in a big way. And so we prayed, and I went and 
just felt led to go talk to a couple that I know, and God prompted them, and they gave us a million dollars. We were overwhelmed. We'd never seen that kind of money, but God told me, no, you're not done. You need to go talk to another couple, so I did, and they gave us a million dollars, and others gave $500,000, and we have now at least two and a half million that are launching us towards seven million that we need to radically change the United States of America through gospel justice centers cited in churches across this country. And I hope that you'll be a part of that movement. I hope no matter what you do, that you do not sit on the sidelines. Do not miss what God has for you because he is asking you to search yourself, to die to yourself, to live for others, to go and do likewise. And so as the band comes and we pray this, uh, and we sing into this closing song, I really want you to take a moment of reflection as we pray. God, use me, broken as I am. That's always been your plan, but I don't know how that will work because I am so broken. But will you be allow me to be a conduit of your grace to lovingly see the needs of others around me, to meet them where they are, to point them to you, and to give you the glory? Let me pray. Father, Thank you for this powerful story that you told a lawyer many years ago. I don't know if he understood. I don't know what happened. I don't know if I'll see him in your kingdom or not. But I do know that the invitation extends to me today. That will I understand the power of the gospel that must be rooted in justice, that lovingly serves neighbors, to meet them where they are, to bring them to where you want them to be. Uh, and Lord, that you would use broken vessels like us the least likely people, just like that Samaritan, to lovingly enter into the service of others. Oh, it blows my mind that that's your plan, but it is. And thank you for using me as a conduit of your grace into the lives of others. May each of us seek you and explore what you have for us. What is our role in advancing your kingdom to your glory? We pray it in your name. Amen.